Guys, thank you so much for joining. This is, um, yeah, Happy New Year also to both of you and to everybody on the call. It's, uh, you know, I love New Year's Eve as an ex a great time to like reflect on the year that, that passed and to look forward to the year ahead. Um, so do you, do you guys do uh, New Year's resolutions or, um, or are those out? Or we're doing something else these days. I don't know. I, I've always felt the New Year's resolutions were a little bit funny because it's like, it's, it's like, I'm going to try to be a better person one day a year. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's a commitment. It's a commitment for the year ahead. Oh, well, but like, Best case scenario. you don't need a day to do that. You can just do that. Any, any, I should do that. You know, like I agree. once a week instead of like once a year, just constantly be self-reflective and say like, how can I improve myself as a person? Maybe it's losing weight. That's a kind of like common one thing, but maybe it's just, you know, being less of a dick or I don't know, being more charitable. I don't know. I mean, whatever an individual feels like they can change for themselves. All right. Awesome. So, Chad B, 2022, more charitable, less of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less of a dick. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and uh, on-chain puppy innovation is really the big, the big vision for 2022. That's my focus for the next uh, – yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> love it. And, uh, and actually, oh, we're remiss not to uh, – you know, I love to do this even though it's, it's not totally necessary all the time, but um, – Let's give like a real quick uh, introductions to to each of us. Um, Chad, you want to kick us off? Familiar cow. Yeah, run it up next. Uh, I'll kick off, I suppose. Um, yeah. So my name is Chad Barrafor. Uh, I'm a core dev. I've been in the project since um, um, the very beginning. I think I committed the first lines of code of Thorchain of the Thor Core Protocol. So I've been there for for quite a long time, uh, and uh, I sometimes uh, come out into the public to to discuss the project and to educate and inform and. Uh, answer questions and, and advocate for the importance of this protocol. Awesome. And we appreciate you for it. Thank you, Chad. And uh, Mr. Cal. Yo, I'm familiar Cal. I make, uh, I'm a community member. I make sneakers that look like Thorchain and uh, I do Twitter spaces and random stuff here and there. A, a very uh, awesome creator and uh, <laughs> Chad and I both are are uh, recipients of some of these uh, Thor Force Ones. They're these customized Nike Air Force Ones with the, and the Thor changing the theme, and they're incredible. Uh, so appreciate you for it, Mr. Cal. And uh, I, I'm Xerox Saigon, uh, founder of RuneBase.org, a, a site dedicated towards like education and onboarding into the Thor Team ecosystem, uh, and also co-founder of ThorGuard's NFT project. And yeah, and uh, today, so. Uh, Cal, what's on the what's on the menu for today? What are we uh, getting into? We got the 2021 recap of everything that's all, all the major events that have happened in the Thorchain ecosystem in all of 2021, going from February to today, December 31st. Awesome, and we uh, we'll, so um, familiar. Cal started this outline, and then uh, one of our uh, team members on the rune base side, shout out to Zero X Jet, helped uh, flesh out uh, some additions as well. And uh, we thought it'd be cool. There's, there's actually a lot. There's like we, we put together a doc here, and there's I don't know four pages or something, and it's it's a lot. It's too much to go over. We scheduled 90 minutes for this thing. Uh, probably I don't know if we're going to get through literally everything, but the I think what we're looking forward to doing was basically running through this list and then getting color and perspective from Chad and getting a bit of the inside behind the curtains look at what, what things were like, uh, you know, on the, uh, for the, at the development team level. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, just uh, kind of get some of that reflection on on twenty twenty one, and then maybe what we can do next week is is talk about the things that we're excited about uh, in twenty twenty two and what the workshop will look like going forward. Um, it sounds good, Mister B. Anything anything you'd like to add? Any uh, any other end of year reflections you'd like to work into the process? You're talking to me? Uh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll just go. I'm sure we're going to have way um, less time than things to talk about, probably. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll have a no issue. Tends to be the case. Well, 2021 was a was a wild year for for uh, crypto more broadly and Thorchain specifically, um, and uh, started off with a series of of, of really just great uh, launches as we went from. Um, uh, single chain chaos net, right? Like, uh, or single chain main net, uh, with, um, uh, you know, just on, on the, the Binance chain into, into multi-chain for the first time. So, um, uh, Cal, you want to kick us off with the first thing on the list here? Yeah. I, mean, I guess the first major thing, it, this is only in February, but the, uh, multi-chain test net went live on February 8th. So I, that's like the first major, like development, I guess, in that, I mean, it, it wasn't the multi-chain chaos, not, but um, the, the testnet went live in February. So uh, yeah, Chad, what was, what, what was the, uh, what was going on in the, in the team around, around February? Oh okay. yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, that was super exciting for us for sure. Um, we all, I mean, single chain case that was there to kind of prove that the economics work more than anything else probably prove the technology works and if you could swap with just one chain then there's no reason why you couldn't do with any others and so multi-chain test test that was when we were first able to go live with interacting with uh ethereum and bitcoin and, and litecoin and these other chains and so it was kind of like <clears throat> they it was really super exciting because it was like kind of a precursor of like okay we're so close to actually like delivering on the, the vision of, you know, the original white paper of like what this thing is. And so we were super excited about it. Um, and so of course we, we ran there for, I don't think like a month or two, I think it was, whatever it was um, to kind of give it some time for the community to, to kind of, you know, blast on it and uh, see if they could find any issues or bugs or what, what have you. Um, and, but in the end it was just went very smoothly for the most part, which I was super excited about. Marvin, what about before the launch? Is was there like like what what was the the feeling like before the launch like like how long did it take to get up to that point where you're ready to release it? Um, to the test and launch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, almost a, like I think it was probably a few months into single chain case that we started. To, we actually created an entire different branch in GitLab that was for multi chain, um, and we did that in part because. <clears throat> we realized that we wanted to, to use a native asset because <clears throat> in the original design, we weren't going to use a native asset. We were just going to keep it the, the, the BEP2 asset and the very early, early kind of designs. Uh, but then we were like, you know, it's much more efficient. It's much more effective. Uh, there's more things we can do. It's much more powerful if we just switch BEP2 over to our native, our own native asset, which in itself was going to be like a complicated thing to do. And we certainly didn't want to <clears throat> take the current single chain case and like, like convert that chain over to multi-chain because then you have to like support different types of rune and that would have just made everything a lot more complicated and a lot more dangerous. And so we just were like, we don't want to do that. Let's just create an entirely separate chain. And so we spent months and months and months working on that aspect to it, working on um, 
like single sided added single sided adding liquidity like there's a bunch of features of functionality that were present in multi chain that were not present in single chain. Um, but we wanted to make sure that when we launched multi chain that it had pretty much a complete feature set uh, that you can from from the you know at least from the adding liquidity, moving liquidity, swapping all those kind of things. And so that took months and months and months of building and testing and and, and trying out and making sure it's all uh, pretty good and solid. Um, yeah. Awesome. And uh, just for context here, we don't want to focus too much on, on price, but I think it's interesting to track this over the course of the year. At the beginning of the year, um, as Gorechain went from uh, single chain, like BEP swap into multi-chain testnet around February, this was, we're trading, Rune was trading around like 1, 130, 180. Uh, and so it was uh, we early days for, for the Rune token. Um, for sure. And uh, as we crossed into February, two uh, two features that um, that make DoorChain stand out amongst other um, LP opportunities. Uh, one of them is impermanent loss protection. Um, this this model where like anybody that's you know provided liquidity into LPs is familiar with the anxiety of potentially um, potentially losing out on them in, uh, through what's called impermanent loss, um, which is where the opportunity cost of just holding the two assets outperforms the um the uh kind of if, if those two assets diverge in in price too much um while you have an lp position and the rewards don't account for the potential loss um so impermanent loss protection and then uh synthetic asset design was finalized um can you talk a bit about uh yeah like um the synthetic asset design um you know what what is that and, and uh what do we have to look forward to um with that design uh, as it comes to production yeah, so we wanted to, to have the code of, of synthetics into multi-chain at the time we launched it, just so that uh, we didn't have to make any like large changes in the back end of, of a live network, just to kind of, um, it just felt more safe to do it that way. And so we did it that way. So synthetics allows the network to be able to, because the network has an AMM built into its core protocol, it always knows the price of any asset, right, that it has on the network, unlike Ethereum, right? Ethereum doesn't know the price of, you know, UST or whatever, like it, in the ERC-20s. Um, it doesn't have that built into the core protocol. And so because of that, we can actually generate uh, assets on ThorChain that, that always kind of uh, price-wise move with its underlying um, linked asset. And so uh, synthetics kind of create is the, is kind of the, um, the doorway into an entire new concept of what we call ThorFi, uh, which allows us to do, not just to do, use this as an AMM, but to do all sorts of things that, that you know nobody else can do in the industry, right? Even just like if you think about like lending, um, just taking lending by itself and you add the cross-chain concept on top of it is like that by itself is like a monumental shift, right? Especially when you're talking about like supporting, you know, Bitcoin, which is like obviously the, the biggest and most important asset in, in crypto by like a long shot, right? And yet it's so kind of forgotten in terms of the rest of the DeFi space and for good reason, because it's, it's not built on an EVM. So it's, it's hard to interface with and interact with, which is why it took us, you know, years of work and effort to, to build this thing, right? I remember I was talking to uh, Robert from, um, Robert Leshner from, uh, compound and they were talking about like lending and doing like a cross chain thing and they were going to only do ethm based chains and i asked him like so why didn't you like you know do like you know bitcoin because obviously like a really important asset and he was just like well it's just it's just really hard and i was like well yeah I, I, <laughs> it's, 
yes, it is really hard, but that's what people want. That's a, and that's what the industry, you know, obviously needs. So, um, so I'm super excited to, that synthetics allows us to get to that place where we can actually do like layer one Bitcoin loans. And, and to be clear, like when we're lending out layer one Bitcoin, we're actually laying out layer one native Bitcoin, and synthetics is used as part of the process of doing so. Um, Anyways, so synthetic was, was a huge concept and a very important kind of fundamental pillar of the network's design in order to get us further down the road of giving even more powerful and, and functional things within DeFi that we are uniquely positioned to do with it. No other chain in the space, no other uh, DeFi protocol in the space is even remotely uh, capable of actually executing on. And so synthetic was that, that kind of door where we needed to get there. I think it's crazy that the uh, synthetic asset design was finalized in February. And you you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it it just seems like it's so long ago that like we're like, we're like looking forward to seeing synthetics. Yeah. It's been like on the roadmap forever and we've had it like it's in the code. It's been actually live since we launched multi-chain. And it's been unchanged too, other than like maybe a couple of small bugs that we discovered, but like, it's the same exact design as it was before. And we, the only reason why it's not like launch is because we've been focused on, uh, you know, stability and security over the last few months or, or synthetics, you know? Yeah. So the next thing that we have on the list here, April 13th, 2021, infamous day, the uh, multi-chain chaos net launch. That, that was the actual launch of, uh, the way when people were able to first add liquidity to the network. So that must have been just a crazy awesome time just getting really, really pumped up for um, oh, the network going live. Yeah, that was a crazy time. And my, my daughter was born uh, shortly after. And so that was an insane wow. time for me uh, where I had like two really good reasons of why I wasn't sleeping. And one was the network. <laughs> one was my daughter screaming in another room, you know, um, or the same room actually. But um yeah, that was like, that was such a, a moment, you know, and I remember what was funny about it was, uh, I think it was like the day of or the day before Coinbase went, uh, had their IPO and like, yeah, that's it was right thing, then. like everybody <laughs> yep. was kind of like tweeting and talking about Coinbase and the first like, you know, cryptocurrency company goes IPO, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I remember I was talking to uh, Eric Voorhees from Shapeshift uh, and he was just saying how like everybody's talking about coinbase but like i think in the future people will look back and say like that like the the monumental shift was you know the launch of uh of, of bitcoin and of support for bitcoin cross-chain swapping and all, all this kind of stuff and even to shapeshift themselves like the literally the same day that we launched uh they ripped out their entire back and replaced it with you know thorchain on day one they didn't even want to wait you know a few weeks or months or whatever to like you know, for the network to prove itself, they were just so, you know, balls in, ready to go, like super bullish on the concept that they were like, I, we can get rid of KYC within Shapeshift. Let's fucking do this. Like, let's F LG, right? Let's fucking go. And so they were like, day one, they were like, let's go all in on this thing. And I was like, all right, man, let's do it. It's <laughs> actually kind of poetic that uh, the chaos night would go live the, the week that um coinbase kind of gets its shares out there to like retail invest like almost dumps it on retail investors with like you know how much they're asking for like uh for their ipo so it's kind of crazy that the decentralized version comes out like the same week basically yeah it's a bit comical to me because like i mean congrats to coinbase and all that stuff but like you know 
you move further down the corporate entity line of traditional finance, which to be honest, just doesn't really always excite me all that much personally. You know, I'm more excited about what we can do in the, in the new finance, this new finance system, you know, and, and providing a mechanism for people to move across chains in a completely trustless way without requiring permission or being censored or anything, things like that's to me is like hands down so much bigger news than like, Oh, a company with IPO and they happen to sell Bitcoin. Like that's just, to me, it's like, you know, whatever, fine. I mean, congrats at all. But like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really, I really don't care that much to be honest. I'm yeah. more excited about like, you know, actually implementing something that is like desperately needed. And I always say a hair on fire problem of being able to move across chains completely trustlessly without requiring like some sort of, you know, a bridge to maintain the, the, the price of your, you know, wrapped asset or some, you know, horseshit, you know, like <laughs> it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly obvious. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, around the time that um, multi-chain Net launched and the Coinbase IPO occurred, there was a, a good um, a tweet that I saw. It might've been Vance Spencer, some, I think like a VC in the space. And he said, Coinbase in five years, likely, It'll be, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here, but, you know, fiat on and off ramps, dealing with regulatory issues locally, but backing up to decentralized liquidity, essentially. Um, and I think I, I, I think that make, kind of makes sense in my mind. Like as, you know, as a global like cross-chain liquidity uh, protocol grows, it'll, it'll suck up all the liquidity in the ecosystem. And over time, centralized exchanges will have no choice but to tap into that. I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll be there waiting for them. Um yeah, I mean, so, if, you, if you look at centralized uh, services like Coinbase and, and Kraken and stuff, like they offer like you know lending and yield and all this kind of stuff, which is like you know peanuts relative to what you see mm-hmm. in the in the DeFi space. You know, um, if you look at BlockFi, they they produce revenue using GBTC, which is a very unreliable mechanism to generate you know income for the interest accounts on on block buy so mm-hmm. what are they going to do i mean i think in the long term once you know we get further down the road of maturity on thorchain's case that they're going to i think the natural thing to do is just just to like you know instead of using gbdc just put some bitcoin in the bitcoin pool and just generate yield from the swaps like mm-hmm. i mean you're gonna get much more yield for, for one thing and, and much more consistent yield too so it's I, it is not much of a downside from my perspective at least and so uh, multi-chain chaos net went live in April uh, and that takes us into early summer um, on the back of multi-chain chaos net rune price went from about five dollars uh, in let's see April to up to a high of about twenty dollars right around mid to late May so explosive time for the Thor chain community um, and then that takes us into June uh, and in June a couple of things happened um, Thor name service uh, or like a the pre-sale launch. So the, the Thor swap team um, helped execute the pre-sale of Thor names in June. And this is where we start to see some of the ecosystem, um, some of the ecosystem products starting to take shape. Uh, and then also in June, towards late June, there was an ETH parsing error and exploit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Chad, you want to talk about like what, what, uh, what occurred there? And then um, and what was the solution to that? Sorry, I'm, I'm paused. Uh, I'm mute. Uh, for the ETH parsing one? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, basically somebody created a an ERC-20 that pretended to be ETH. That's, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, which was literally like a one-line change to fix. <laughs> okay. Oh, and this was, this was against the backdrop of, like, 
I think right at um, May, end of May, um, like a, a macro correction in the broader crypto markets. So I forget exactly, you know, the the um, the price action that like Ether Bitcoin took, but um, but even before there were any issues on uh, in Thorchain, like there was there was this macro correction, and that set the stage for I, I would say a pretty rough summer for most of crypto and and Thorchain as well. So. Um, e parking parsing error and exploit took us into July, uh, and Cal, you can kick it off from there. Yeah, well, I think I think we know the story. Of what happened at the beginning of July with um, the uh, e- the I let's see what is that the ERC seven 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 bug, and basically the, there was uh, those two exploits that happened in July. So yeah, yeah just you want to take us through what happened there again. I'm sure we've all like heard about this, but uh, do you want to like summarize? Yeah, the 777 was uh, a bug in the ETH router itself, a smart contract, where it basically allowed a a re-entrancy attack. And so a white hat um, found that and basically took up all the funds just to to secure them and then sent them back to uh, the network um, minus a a fee. Cool. There were... Uh, three over the course of July, the 777 bug, and then two different uh, uh, incidents uh, involving uh, the ETH chain. And it was, yeah, this was, this was a, a tough period for the, the ThorChain community and the ThorChain ecosystem um, and it, because of the sequential order. But looking back on a few things here, and then as we get out of July into August um, and we see the initiatives that, uh, that took place to harden the network, and then also it occurred to me there was um, wrecked news covered some of this and but at the uh, just earlier today or yesterday they had a um, like a, a, a like a, a leaderboard for all the exploits in DeFi this year and they listed out the top twenty and actually very little funds were actually lost in any of these exploits and nothing was lost by any of the users uh, swappers or liquidity providers or nodes um, everything was covered by the treasury and so. None of these exploits, in some total, uh, made any of the the wrecked leaderboards. Um, but uh, but that took us. I think it was three in July, um, what, the ETH parsing error in June, um, and then that takes us to August, where we see all of this, all of these initiatives to strengthen and harden the network. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. so these were these exploits were relatively small in in terms of the quantity of funds taken. And that's largely in part because it, it, the network was in, you know, in chaos net and it was, the liquidity was capped. And so there wasn't as much funds to take. And that was you know, designed on purpose that way, right? We, we wanted to launch this into like a, a beta status and, and kind of tame down, uh, that was all done you know, intentionally. And it ended up working out very well. I mean, if we didn't do that, we, if we kind of YOLO'd our way into the whole system, that we probably would have lost more funds and the treasury would have lost even more funds than it did in the end. So we're kind of, you know, proved ourselves to be correct in terms of being cautious and, and, and being guarded in terms of the way we uh, launch things. And since then we've seen obviously like these massive attacks of like, whether it be poly uh, network or, you know, compound or um, um, uh, it was badger, like all these things were like 110, 120, plus million dollar you know, yeah poly and compound are number one and three on the leaderboard i'm looking at this and i don't think thorchain would have made top 30 on this list which is actually no I, I don't even think it <laughs> even makes top 70 to be honest with you um if you look at the whole thing i 
It's 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 really relatively speaking, it's rather small. Oh, here it is, number forty nine. So okay, oh, yeah. it's a uh, you know, it's up yeah. there. It's it's yeah, and I, honestly, it, it, we'll, we'll move down that down that line over time. To be honest, yeah, like I said, we're just gonna see more with it. But uh, but like that was all done, you know, somewhat on purpose to be have that kind of guarded guarded uh, launch, which obviously made a lot of sense, you know, to improve the correct thing to do. You know, but after that point, like we, we kind of realized that there's something wrong with the with, with the F implementation because we kept on seeing these F related issues, and that's why the, the network, you know, decided to like the community, especially pushed for the idea of let's just put things on pause, let's, let's, let's pause the network, um, and do analysis, all these kind of things. And then the team brought in like multiple external teams to, to do audits, which they found nothing. And then, uh, not nothing, but the nothing important, nothing critical. Like, well, that's, yeah, it's the next thing on the timeline, August 3rd. So this is like, you know, there's basically like exploits in, in July, like the network goes down. And the, like the next thing that happens basically in the ecosystem is Nine Realms announces uh, Thorsec, basically. Like Halborn comes in, uh, Thorsec becomes a thing. So yeah, yeah Trail of Bits came in. in. Yeah, so that was great because we, we ended had, a, I don't know how many odds were actually done in the end. I've literally lost count. Um, there was two external, um, a few internal, and then some like kind of friends of friends kind of doing it as well in a sense. We were, were like non-official uh, audits in a sense. Um, so we, just, we the point was to get as many eyes as possible on this code base because it is a very large code base, much larger than uh, anything else in the space, or at least most at least most things in the space. And so it is a lot more difficult to not only write and secure, but also to audit as well. And so we. We wanted to, to, to the, the more eyes, the better. Like this, this, you know, so we just pulled every string we could pull, and thankfully, Nine Realms, you know, played a significant role in that and helping to, to bring in some of the, the the best minds. Like, you know, we, we have a, a dedicated Thorsec team of guys who've been you know hacking on DeFi for years and been very successful at that. We even recently brought in a, few, a couple months ago the guy who who like broke Geth. Um, and had that huge exploit on, on, on Ethereum a few months ago. He came in to do some fuzzy. Uh, security testing on our uh, code bases. So it's been an ongoing effort. It's not something we just did for like a few few days or a few weeks, whatever. Like it's still happening today. We're still bringing in more people to to give it a deeper and deeper and deeper look uh, at the code base. We're always kind of just making the assumption that there's more things to be found and and, because you cannot assume that there isn't. So we're just constantly like looking for more people to to, to be involved with it. I'm always encouraging people that I know in the space to give it a look or, you know, give it a gander, so to speak. Um, it's just, it's just been going on nonstop for, for months on end, literally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and through this period, uh, July into August, uh, the chain, the chain was halted. Um, there was no like swaps, no LP actions. Uh, the nodes were frozen. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the first step towards, we called it like the, like the road back to mainnet. Um, was first Thorchain resuming block production that happened August 10th, and then uh, August 18th, single chain chaos net Ragnarok uh, is completed. Actually, that's actually independent of, of this. Um, yep. August 22nd, sorry, uh, Thorchain resumes rune transfers. Um, so, you can you talk a bit about like um, the, the the strategy from after in the wake of the exploits? Um, things are halted, things are paused, and then. Um, initiatives are put in place to, um, you know, pen test and uh, audit different parts of the network. And then going from there to um, resuming block production and then resuming rune transfers, um, what, what were the, 
give us a little bit of insight and like what what were the different stages um like to like why resume block production first and then rune transfers after and then swapping and other actions later well so we want to resume uh block production as, as soon as reasonably possible um so that the network is producing block rewards and so everybody who's got capital in the system uh, either on the bond side or the pool side that you're still making some kind of income um from all that you know you know just kind of um, have your funds kind of frozen and nothing you can do about it and, and that you can't even pull them either. So we wanted to at least give some like, some people, uh, you know, at least some, some benefit, some, some, some yield, you know? So you want to get that thing back online as, as relatively as quick as possible that you know, maintaining safety and all that kind of stuff. So that was the first part. And that took required a bunch of audits from a bunch of different teams to look at, you know, a certain uh, smaller scope of the, of the code base to make sure that this, this code, these code paths are, are uh, safe and, and reliable and, and secure and all these kind of things. But at that point, there's very little risk of, of like exploits at that point, because if, you know, if the only thing you're doing is producing, producing blocks and you're, and you're not allowed to transact at all, then there's not really much input that you can manipulate to, to get some sort of desired output. So it, it was very little risk to do it from my perspective, and, but we still required uh, multiple teams to, to verify that. Cool, very cool. Uh, Cal? Yeah, so uh, well, kind of brushed over the single chain chaos dot yeah. Ragnarok, but that's actually kind of kind of interesting how the basically the chain like demolished itself from uh, like and, and returned all the funds to to everybody. It, like, yeah. but it was kind of interesting and like very slow. Like, what's not like everyone got their uh, funds back like in a, a big blog. Like, people got like you know five thousand rune in a single transaction. So, um, yeah. So what happened with the uh, uh, with the Ragnarok of single chain, yeah. So the concept of, of Ragnarok was this idea early on that that the network will basically self implode and send out everybody's funds in the like in a crazy scenario, right? And that's it's intended if like uh, if everybody just kind of leaves the network in terms of the validators, that once you you you're getting close to like losing Byzantine fault tunnels, which is like I think four nodes, um, the network says it's no longer going to be secure to maintain these funds. So let's just, you know, just everybody withdraws, including the, the validators themselves. And so everybody gets their funds back. And that, that's the kind of the, the safety kind of um, uh, trigger on the whole network that it, it's capable of returning everybody's funds in some crazy edge case scenario. So we should never see this in reality other than the intended purpose of destroying single chain. Hopefully we'll never do this again. But in the act of doing so, we, we learn a bunch of, you know, things and, and partially the, the, the chain got into some kind of wacky scenario where it just took so long to generate a single block that it made, it just slowed everything up a lot slower than intended. Um, so it just took a lot longer than uh, we wanted to take. And once we fixed those bugs in single chain, it, it just sped up a lot faster and everything was just kind of done within a few hours. Um, I think moving forward though, the, the, the code changes we made, multi-change, if we ever see this again, it'll be a lot faster. It should be about, it should be about 20 times faster. Um, and the and multi-chain. Uh, How long did it take before? It was a couple uh, weeks, right? Yeah, I think I think, like, I think a week or two or something like that. I think it was about two weeks it took. Uh, and that's all because um, there was just some, some like a few edge case uh, bugs that just kind of slowed the process up. And we just patched those as we went along and everything was fine. Like it wasn't so much of a big deal. But um, but yeah, I think now if we were to rock, rock like multi-chain today, um, it would probably would only take like a day or two, I would think. Very cool. Um, 
Awesome. Yeah. It's good to see that, that progress of the, of the ecosystem. Um, and, uh, and also on the topic of progress in the ecosystem here, uh, as we transitioned from August into September, um, we start to see a lot of action in uh, above the protocol level, different interfaces, exchange interfaces, um, our uh, launch pad, et cetera, um, starting to uh, come to life. And so one of the um, first things that we see here in September, uh, sweep uh, Dex rebrands to DeFi Spot. Um, a DeFi Spot, as everyone knows, is seeking to become like the Coinbase of DeFi, like a really simple user interface that uh, builds on top of and backs up to ThorChain on the back end for, um, for uh, LP and for swap um, actions. So um, DeFi Spot rebrand occurs, and then yeah, that's that's a, that takes ten a out of ten rebrand. By the way, that, that, that first name was just <laughs> terrible. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was tough. <laughs> DeFi Spot ten. That's that's a one hundred out of hundred name. I love that name. Yep. Swipe or I don't even know how you pronounce it. <laughs> like, Sweep, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you gotta love it though. Thanks, DeFi mm-hmm. Spot. Oh, I also forgot to mention that, like, I, I didn't even put in here that uh, Thor Starter launched in, yes. uh, I believe, the end of June, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- that became a thing, not not long after. Uh, uh, sorry, shortly before, and then um, they had their first IDOs around around this time, around um, end of September, October. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout out to Thor Starter. Um, awesome. And then, uh, that takes us into September. Um, and what else happens in September? Cal? Oh, yes. Well, all the chains started getting re-enabled. So, like, so as part of the, the restoration of the chain, right, first we had block production, and then it was just transfers of native rune, and then the chain started being enabled one by one after audit. So, started with Binance on September 17th, September 28th, Litecoin, 30th, um native bitcoin so that that was basically september was just uh you know network recovery uh, we, we didn't see uh eth yet but all the other major chains besides eth were uh re-enabled yeah, Absolutely. just to add a little color like so binance was first because that's the one that we've had the most experience with starting with single chain and that's also like the, the simplest and most um, like small surface area in terms of the security risk around it because Binance has no uh, EVM layer to it, it has no contracting layer to it so it's it's basically impossible to, to manipulate transactions or this kind of thing and so we wanted to start something simple, something relatively easy and then and that was Binance and we just re- required all the different teams that were auditing to, to, to kind of check those code paths and make sure everything was on the up and up and so they were able to do that. So we start with Binance and then we went to Litecoin and Bitcoin because those two are also very um, relatively a lower um, risk. And then obviously the ETH was like the big one, um, the one that we we're most concerned about from a security perspective. And so we want to say that for last, it's just not the most amount of time so that all the teams can have as much time as we can possibly give them or as much time as they wanted to, to you know, validate those um, implementations and make sure that everything uh, was safe and secure. Mm-hmm. ETH and ERC-20 trading were re-enabled separately though, right? Uh, I think we did both yeah. at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, I think we did both at the same time. But the thing was like, there was this debate within the community around oh, like, should, we, that's what it was. should we even, yeah. 
should we even do ERC twenties, right? Because yeah. this is the act of supporting ERC twenties. Just this increases the surface area that we need to protect mm-hmm. against, right? Mm-hmm. And if, and if you're just transferring ETH like ETH from one address to another address, then there's not really much, um, not a lot of opportunity there for for attack. It's much simpler to to to, to, to um, protect yourself against. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I always was pushing against this notion because I always wanted to make sure we. We don't let kind of the fear dictate our our, our, our policy or dictate our vision, right? Or our, our mm-hmm. you know our execution paths. And so um, I kind of pushed hard on the idea that we, we maintain ERC twenties, and that was definitely a debate um, within the core team as well as within the community. And in the end, I think people decided to stick with ERC twenty because there's so many valuable assets that we wanted to make sure we supported, like you know stable coins, for example, like UST, UCC. Um, die and these kind of things are just as important to have in, in four chain as ETH itself is, you know. So mm-hmm. we were able to to maintain it, and you know, knock on wood, we haven't had an issue since. Awesome, um, yeah, and I, I love that perspective. Not letting uh, not letting fear dictate, um, you know, the roadmap. Uh, but then also going back to what you said earlier about like, you know, why do cross chain in the first place, despite the fact that it's hard, um, you know. It's, it's what people need. It's what people want. And, yeah. uh, you know, ERC 20s are part of, you know, what people want, what people need, um, out of this right. service. So, um, so now we're into October, <clears throat> right before Halloween, October 27th, uh, our friends at Veneer Threads launch, uh, and complete their Thor Force One Dutch auction for 10 pairs. Um, we have the, the Lord of, of Veneer Threads himself on the call. So, uh, Familiar cow. What was this? What was this like for you, launching and, and completing your first uh, auction for the first ten pairs? Uh, that was just incredible. Like you know, seeing that uh, you know the, the community was responsive to them. Uh, you know, I just I just want to get them out to the the people. So th- that was like what I was leading up to was just actually getting pairs out to the people. So uh, yeah, I mean, thank anyone that um, bought from that auction. And I'm also sorry if I if I forgot your project on here, but uh, I included mine. Like, I, I, we'll let you go up on that at the end after we get to the timeline. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking about, Thorgard? <laughs> no, no. If anyone, it, I'm, I'm sure there's someone. Oh, uh, oh you, you forgot this like important uh, important development on uh, May 14th, 2021. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll let you up. <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I know. On. There, there is. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so there's so much going on, and anyone can really just make something that um you know would make it onto this timeline, but you know uh there's just like so much surface area that there is to talk about so which is actually kind of it's just crazy how um big this ecosystem is that anyone could build on it too it's and growing and I, you know we're just getting started super early days yeah for sure and uh you know 2021 was was uh, a very foundational year uh you know putting the chaos and chaos net at times um but overall, just, uh, you know, like starting, like looking back on just, just this exercise, looking back on this year already and, and looking how far we've come is extremely exciting. I'm super, super excited for 2022, um, everything that's happening at the protocol level and everything that's happening at the ecosystem level. So, um, yeah, it's a lot to cover. So, yeah, if, if, if there are any projects out there who, who you know, we, we missed uh, any announcements uh, about, uh, we apologize. But, but we're not done yet. We have... Uh, uh, two more months to go in this recap and a lot of ecosystem stuff uh, through November. Uh, in fact, November, I'm looking at the list now, it looks like it's like mostly ecosystem stuff that we have here as the ecosystem really comes to life. Um, 
And uh, and so yeah, in the wake of the Thor Force One Dutch auction, congrats, sir. Um, <clears throat> Thor Swap IDOs uh, November third on Thor Chain. This is first getting us into first week of November. Um, first week of November was uh, action packed actually in the ecosystem um, with the Thor Swap IDO, the X DeFi IDO on Miso. Um, and uh, Thor Starter introducing new Thor Starter tiers. It was a, uh, it was just a lot going on. And sorry, Cal, I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna take this chunk because this leads up to like my project. Yeah, go for um, it. But, uh, but uh, you know, Thor Guards, my team completed our uh, our sale of, um, of of our NFT project, and so we were actually, and that occurred. It was actually a, a seven day or five day sale that started like November eighth. 9th, 10th, 11th, um, or 7th to 11th. And we were working to coordinate. I remember um, just how action-packed this period was for the ecosystem because we were coordinating with XDeFi and ThorSwap, and we wanted to make sure that we didn't um, step on one another's toes, that we didn't kind of uh, – we spaced out these launches with at least a few days apart um, to give the community kind of space to, to react to everything. And then also – at the same time, um, this was right like ETH trading like because um, how ThorSwap was conducting their IDO like they were they were dependent also on ETH trading uh, going back online on ThorChain, which happened at the end of October, and so um, so there were a few different moving parts here. It was like ETH trading to get re-enabled. ThorSwap was going to do do its IDO immediately after, and then we were going to do our IDO after ThorSwap. Um, and uh, and yeah, both were super successful. Um, the uh, you know ThorSwap IDO, XDFi IDO, and then our our ThorGuard uh, token sale, public sale was um, was was all uh, all went uh, really strong. And and uh, yeah, and, and we're excited to to have these these um, ecosystem projects out there live and, and building for the community. So it was a good good start to November for us. Um, yeah, I was I was like super excited to see Thorgard's launch personally because I was like, because I remember you kind of like kind of showed me a couple of the images that you're working on, and I was just like, oh, this is like one of the best NFT products I've ever seen. Like, I just love the graphics; it's like so well done, so well well illustrated. I was super excited for it to get launched. Thank you. Yeah, and actually, the three of us all had a chance to meet in person <clears throat> um, right before that. Actually, like right around Halloween. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we um. There was a NFT NYC and uh, and familiar cow and Chad and I um, uh, we, we we were able to host a big dinner for the community and um, and uh, yeah yeah had a chance to all get together and and uh, connect over uh, over some stakes so um, yeah thank thank you for the kind words and, and for supporting that and and um, yeah it was a good good start to November uh, and a great way to close out uh, the year here so. Um, Cal, that takes us into mid-November. Yeah, so uh, mid-November, uh, might remember there was a consensus failure on the network. We we're down for a, a couple of days. So, um, yeah, so what exactly happened with the consensus failure? What, what was that? We, it resumed on the, uh, sorry, on the 18th. Yeah. Yeah, so the bug is actually kind of funny because um, it only happened because of a very edge case scenario that we would never have seen in single chain chaos not because we never deleted pools at all and we and we had that actually ended up being a problem for single chain because we just ended up having a bunch of like standby pools with like very little assets that are just 
cost of the network computational resources to maintain them and secure them, but not, you know, have, you know, offer any value to the network itself. And so we made a determination in multi-chain to start like <laughs> kind of push, pushing out, you know, junk pools that aren't really doing anything. And so the act of doing so, we actually um, caused a scenario where like the network uh, had a slightly different idea. Each node had a slightly different idea of what the state was. And that's why, that's why it came to this because of this failure. So then we just kind of paused and halted until it could be resolved. But it took a little, um, we fixed the actual bug itself within a couple hours. I was, that was relatively speaking the easy part. The harder part was trying to figure out how to resolve the network, how to, like, how to, to, to undo the consensus failure. And so we were working with the Cosmos team and uh, they're actually building a tool just for this exact purpose, but it hadn't been completed. It only been like half completed. And so we tried to actually complete the other half for them, but then that was became more problematic and more of a, a headache than we thought it was going to be. So we couldn't do that either. So we really had to spend some time, some time in, the, in the mud in a sense to try to unwind some aspects of Cosmos itself. And so we worked with, with the team a little bit to, to, to get that done. And in the end, um, with Nine Realms assistance, the, the core team was able to to get things restarted and running again and, and all that kind of stuff. So now we had that in our kind of back pocket pocket if we ever needed it again. I don't think we will, obviously, but uh, it's good to have the information there just, just in case. Yeah, awesome. And then the next thing on this is uh, November 23rd, the Thorchads DAO releases their Season 1 trophy. So that's the, an initiative by uh, the ThorSwap team. It's their, uh, they have a DAO, Thorchads DAO, and they, they put out their first trophies if you uh, give you it a high Thorchads score. So I'm sure, that, I'm sure there's some... Uh, Thorchads DAO NFT holders here, so congrats if you got a, uh, a Thorchads DAO NFT. And that leads us to November 30th, uh, where Thorchain shards the Asgard Vault, so that's a pretty big step towards growing the network uh, node-wise. Yes, for sure. So that was one of the changes we, we made for multi-chain that we didn't have a single chain. Single chain had like a limit of like I think we had I think it was 36 nodes total pos- possible on that network, and that's largely because the more members in a in a threshold signature like wallet or or an Asgard vault, we call it, um, you have a quadratic relationship to how much time it takes to sign a transaction, and so it was about fifteen seconds or so for for the thirty six nodes. But if you go to thirty seven or thirty eight, you, you start seeing an exponential climb in a, in a literal sense, exponential climb. And so you really can't have like a hundred nodes in one TSS kind of group. Uh, threshold, threshold signature group because it would take you know hours uh, if not days to sign a single transaction which is obviously like untenable and so um, the limitation of single chain was we could only go as much as threshold signatures would allow which is like 33 36 nodes or so um, but we wanted to obviously go higher because the, the more nodes the more decentralized the network can be and so we wanted to kind of remove that uh, limitation and so we did so it, we effectively, what that does is allow us to have multiple threshold signature wallets, and you know, the group kind of uh, the the group of validators kind of bifurcates into different little smaller groups to each create their own Asgard vault and secure funds that way. And so that basically shards out, or similar to what ETH talks about, ETH two point about sharding the network. We sharded the vaults, and so that allows us for threshold signatures to no longer be the bottleneck of the decentralization of the network. Now the bottleneck is like basically how much uh, network nodes that Cosmos itself can take or, or Tenement can take, which I think is around like 250 right now. Then it'll probably increase over time too as they make improvements in the, into that protocol. But uh, about 250 nodes or so, 
would that 250 be like full validator uh nodes or is that would be the the entire um uh maximum for nodes like if we were to include like like future plans for uh like vault node sort of things Yo, yeah, yes, so there are 250 full validator nodes, and then the vault nodes are the light nodes. That's a completely separate concept, and there's actually no upward bound on how many of those can exist in the network. Those can be you can we could have 10,000 if you wanted to, um, and we're designing it in a way to make it efficient, uh, computationally efficient on the network, so that we can maintain as many of those as people want to basically make. Wow. Which allows yeah, that's to, actually to, awesome. to scale the bond of the network, you know, to to have no no cap. You, you go as, as high as people want to, you know, contribute room to. So that that's part of the part of the goal of of light nodes is to 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 make as many people to be a contributor to the bond side who want to be a contributor to the bond side. So that can grow as high as 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 the community needs it to grow. Cool, cool, awesome. Um, <clears throat> so on the fourteen side, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, scratch your throat. All right, so that's end of November, and then that we round the corner into the last month here of the year, December. A uh, couple things happening on the ecosystem side, a couple things happening on the protocol side. So, um, <clears throat> Cal, I'll take the ecosystem side, and then uh, you can close it out All with right. the, the protocol side. So, um, <clears throat> just on the ecosystem side, ThorSwap partnered with Olympus DAO and the ThorWallet iOS app was made available in the US. Um, so that was December 8th and December 20th, respectively. Um, and uh, really cool seeing ThorWallet in particular, uh, you know, go live on iOS. For anybody that hasn't checked it out, definitely go download the ThorWallet app. Um, and it's great, you know, the dream of multi-chain uh, cross-chain swaps um, and liquidity provision all in your, you know, on a beautiful iOS device or iOS app um, is alive and well. So check that out. Um, and uh, ThorWallet also completed their, uh, their IDO um, here in December as well um, and is going well. Uh, so ecosystem looking good. And on the protocol, a couple things in December. Yeah, the protocol, one of the most exciting things that, that we've seen since like the chain came back online, uh, really, is uh, StageNet launching, which will uh, let us get more chains on the network uh, quicker. It's a better testing environment. So, yeah, Chad, what's up with uh, StageNet? How's that looking? Yeah, so, so originally we weren't going to have a StageNet. We were just going to do everything in TestNet. We wanted to, um, you know, try out new chain support for, you know, you know Terra, for example, or, or what have you. But our test set has been so flaky in part because, like, I don't know why. I was just kind of surprised to find this. But so many uh, projects out there, even, like, big projects, not even the small ones, like, they're such unreliable uh, to, like, run their test set with, like, chains. Like, uh, BNB test set just went off. Like, we just lost all peers for, like, you know, a day or something like this, just like yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was like, and like Litecoin, like nobody mines a block for like, you know, six days or something like this. Like, it's just like, this, <laughs> it's just like, this like wacky scenario where like you have to deal with like added chaos that has no relationship to reality to like how things would actually be, you know, in, you know, a real mainnet scenario. And so it just becomes really problematic. And then we always have the struggle to find uh, testnet assets for all these different chains. And it just became like such a problem. And so the people over at Shapeshift were talking to us once and they were just like, we don't even use a testnet. We just have, we just test on mainnet because 
because Tesla's are so unreliable and they're just, they just like put you through an added difficulty without any real like reward or return on that added difficulty. Like you don't actually harden your, your system that much more. And so it's just like, we end up saying like, you know, screw this. Let's just create another main net. That's not main net. It's stage net. And then, uh, we'll run all the nodes. So it's not going to be like a decentralized system, which is fine just for testing, not for like actual, you know, money to be, you know, thrown through. So then we can actually, we can, we can easily acquire assets. We can easily just run them, uh, you know, uh, uh, try out terror or whatever without having too much struggle or problems with like all this Tesla stuff. So that was really kind of the motivation behind all this because Tesla is such like an unreliable little bitch that you can't really do much with it to be honest with you. And so we built an entire new network called StageNet, uh, which is mostly run by nine realms at this point. <clears throat> and so that's going to be the, the kind of the, the playground, the sandbox to try out, you know, um, uh, mostly around changes around adding new chains. And so once we start adding new chains, like Terra and Atom and Doge, all these things, like I think we're going to start busting out chains like crazy just because a lot of chains out there are just duplicates of chains that already exist. And so by expanding our set of chains that do support, we have access to so many more that we can just like throw in rather easily, right? So mm -hmm. I think t 2022 is going to be this like massive ex like explosion within the, the ThorChain uh, ecosystem because we're going to have see so much new additions and so much added value either be you know thorify or expanding the number of chains and communities that interface and connect with ThorChain. it's just going to be like uh it's going to be like super gargantuan it, it, people are, 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 are don't even know what's going to happen like most of the community can barely even understand the idea that we're, we're supporting bitcoin let alone um you know luna and like thorify and lending and like you know uh thor savings like it's just going to and blow everybody's dicks off effectively. <laughs> oh, Chad. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a phrase. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I love it. It's crazy uh, too because yeah. those when those other ecosystems see that they can um you know use Thorchain as like part of their community basically. It's like an add-on to their own value add. You know what I mean? So like yeah. you know if you hold Luna then you're like, oh wait, I can then swap it straight for Bitcoin without having to go through like whatever kind of like like router you, you know what I mean like all the bridges and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I, this is gonna be so important as like as we add more chains into the network, whether it be Luna or Atom or you know Doge or whatever, like those communities are gonna become advocates of of Thorchain, right? Because because we are supporting their ecosystem, we are supporting their assets, which they're all you know. Doge maxis or, or whatever, right? And so, like, they're going to become advocates naturally of, of Thorchain, and then by by committing their capital uh, to the pools or doing swaps or whatever, they're just adding more value to this to this ecosystem, right? They're just creating more buy pressure for the root asset. They're you're adding more, making the pools deeper. They're increasing the the yield on the pools. Like they're doing all of this on our behalf, and they're doing it just through the natural way. And they're doing it because they want to support their own ecosystem, their own asset. And so it's such a natural thing that as we add these other chains and these like, you know these huge communities, the the Thorchain community is naturally going to expand as part of that, and that's just going to be really bullish for the project for for sure. Yeah, because yeah. Thorchain adds to the value of their project too. So it's like it's only natural that all the communities will support each other in that way as like their chain gets added, which is, it's, that's just going to be awesome. Like once all the major like chains are added, the, the economically significant chains with strong communities that just makes, you know, that just makes us stronger, you know? 
Yeah, I was actually just talking to Do Kwan the other day, um, and we were chatting about the idea of um, there's a website called uh, I think it's like bridge.terra.money um, mm-hmm. that people use to, to switch. I mean, I was talking to them about getting that uh, interfaced with with Thorchain, right? And so you'll be able to go to to, to bridge.terra.money and be able to interface, you know, and do like a Bitcoin pair and swap Bitcoin for Terra and all these kind of things. So like even these communities, I think will adapt to Thorchain and pull in our functionality because all of a sudden their bridge that their community uses, their swapping mechanisms they use, they're going to be, you know, interfacing with our system and just drive more, you know, trading and more volume. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Thorchain, like that's, that's huge. Like that's huge. And it's completely normal to them because like, so then it's like, hey, would I want to have a Bitcoin pair with, with Luna? Fuck yeah. Like, obviously, right? And a thousand so percent. A thousand percent. What idiot would say, I don't want a Bitcoin pair with like my asset? Like, that's obviously ludicrous. And so, like, they're all going to want it. Because they're like, oh, hey, people swap Bitcoin for, for my asset, whatever my asset might be. And like, it's going to be, like, obviously heavily demanded. And so, you know, people are going to, like, their communities are going to build interfaces in the Thorchain, whether or not those communities even understand that that's actually happening. They're just going to show up one day to, to bridge that pair of money and they're going to find Bitcoin as one of the options all of a sudden for swapping to Terra or USD or like whatever. And they're like, oh, great. I can go to USD to, to, to F or to Bitcoin or to, you know, whatever other assets, Soul, like whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like, and that's just going to be super, super bullish for the entire ecosystem. They could build that. I mean, there's bridge.terra.money. I, I use that often, um, you know, take assets from like Terra to Ethereum or BSC or, or uh, Harmony as well. Um, and then also, I mean, even inside the, the Terra Station wallet, there's a swapping feature um, that lets you swap within the Terra because uh, maybe they'll, they could open that up theoretically to, uh, no, because they have to support multiple assets in that. But so I digress. Yeah, I think, I think that's going the way of the dinosaur. That the, the Terra Station, I think, is being retired in the long term, like in the next six months or something like this. And so that, I, think, oh. I, think, I think bridge.terra.money is the, it's going to become okay. the, the main thing. And uh, all that to say, uh, you know, we, we know that Do Kwan is a, is a huge fan of, of the Thorchain ecosystem. And, and this is something we had covered on, uh, or he, he did an interview on Kevin Rose's Modern Finance. And we pulled a, a segment of that on for, for Runebase. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a huge supporter. And it, it'll be, you know, obviously the Thorchain ecosystem and the Terra ecosystem are, are, you know, very close siblings, I'd say. And, and there's a lot of mutual, uh, mutual fans of, of both. Uh, oh, for sure. So we are very excited to see that. Um, I think Rune and Rune and Luna are just side by side in, in a lot of our eyes. So, yeah, well, um, we're, we're both Cosmos chains, and we're both pushing on this idea that that uh, DeFi does not necessarily have to live on Ethereum. Like, it, DeFi is mostly on Ethereum today because it's really like your only choice for the last like two years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you really could wasn't really much other option to build your own like you know. DeFi protocol other than Ethereum for the most part. Mm-hmm. But now that's changed with like Cosmos. And so I think, I think even Terra has more TVL than like, you know, most, if not all uh, Ethereum smart contracts out there. And it's like kind of proving the point that like, you don't, that, that the future of DeFi is going to be much more diverse than it is today. And I think we're, we're both kind of advocating for this uh, Terra as well as a store chain. So we're kind of support each other nationally because of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, that takes us <clears throat> right up to the end of the year here, uh, December 22nd. So just about a week, a little over a week ago, um, Thorchain executes a router V3 upgrade. Um, and uh, yeah, 
Chad, yeah. you want to give a little final color to that before we close out here? Yeah, the, the, the V3 upgrade was just like the last component. Um, after doing all the like kind of audits we did from the summer and uh, making all these kind of security minded changes, um, the router went through its own kind of auditing process and, and um, there were a couple of things to kind of clean up on. Nothing like too big or too too sexy, just just kind of iron out some kind of some crinkles in the, in the code. And, and, and I think that'll probably, honestly, that'll probably be the last update we'll do to the, to the router for, for the foreseeable future. I don't really see us needing to do anything else. It's very, very simple in its design intentionally. So it's designed to be as, as simple and as dumb as possible, just to keep its surface area as small as possible. So I really doubt we'll actually change it again, to be honest with you, uh, unless we do some, some new features of functionality. The only reason why I can see us making a change possibly is uh, to be more compatible with and being more composable with the rest of the Ethereum community um, in an effort to uh, make it easier for, you know, Sushi, Sushi Swap, for example, to like interface with ThorChain and, and allow for like Bitcoin trading on Sushi using ThorChain as the kind of the back end. Um, this some code change we can probably do to make it a little bit easier for them to, do, to implement that. But other than that, I can't see us making any, uh, any serious changes to that any, any further, to be honest. And uh, we also got Doge added to the, uh, the stage net, correct? Like that just happened like the other day. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We just got Doge going. We actually wrote the code for Doge, like I think uh, right before we launched MultiChain. And there was the debate at the time of like, should we throw Doge in there or not? We're like, no, 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 five changes, good to start. Let's not like get too, uh, you know, overzealous and, and go for a sixth. So the code's been done for a long period of time. We just we just haven't prioritized the idea of expanding the chain and adding more chains because we were so focused on, well, well we have five chains already. We're slowly scaling up security. Let's, you know, uh, harden the code. Let's mature the network, blah, blah, blah. All these things are, that are actually critically important. They're not, very, they're not very, you know, sexy per se of like securing the network, but they are, you know, critically important things we have to get done, right? So most of this year has been around just about maturity, about hardening, about, uh, security and all these things, and not a whole lot of the work has been done to like expand it into new features and functionality. That's what twenty twenty two is going to be largely about: is expanding into new things, adding more chains, adding more Thorify synthetics, uh, getting Thor names actually launched, you know, running. Like all those things are going to happen this year. I think. Yeah. Love it. Um, awesome. So actually, to close out, I mean, you touched on uh, exactly what I was going to. Uh, like I have some uh, fun little questions, like end of year uh, wrap up questions here. Uh, we can all answer. So um, first, Chad, what would you looking back on and on everything? Biggest win of 2021. Biggest win of 2021. I mean, to me, it's just it's delivering the white paper. It is launching multi chain. Like that was obviously the, the biggest thing. That was the biggest moment in my head. Um, once we got out there and seen the, the the response from the community, I learned two things. One is that everybody in the community that like is a somebody, right? Like uh, that are like massive individuals within the industry who who run companies or like you know um, have done something, right? Like they're all massive supporters of the project, like you know. People like Do Kwan and Eric Voorhees and Andre Konje and like people who are actually know what the hell they're talking about are all massive supporters. 
but at the same time, I've noticed that it's like to get the on-ramp of like the rest of the crypto was actually more difficult than I thought. I thought like, hey, you know, the merits of the chain will be enough and that would just drive, you know, uh, a lot more adoption quicker. And I was actually completely wrong about that. There's, there's, there's people are in camps, people are tribal, people are, you know, uh, narrowly scoped vision, you know, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, okay, that's going to be a little bit of a, hard, a, a longer ramp than I thought it was going to be uh, for people to understand what this is, how significant it is, how it reshapes crypto, how it critically is important as a basic infrastructure that the entire ecosystem needs. That's going to be a, a longer, it's easy to, if people understand this, this space, got it instantly and are full supporters of it. And the people that, you know, are taking a lot more time to, to understand it uh, are, you know, taking a lot more time to understand it. But they'll get it eventually. They almost have to. You know, it's, it's the same thing with Bitcoin. Like, the first time you learn about Bitcoin, you might kind of laugh at it or kind of joke about it, whatever. But then the, the more you learn about it, you have to break through that ice. And the more you learn about it, the, the deeper you understand, you know, how significant it is. Well, I think, there's I think a lot of people... Uh, think it's a zero-sum game where it's like my chain like my my like you know i want to make the most money i you know put everything into into litecoin you know because i'm just that guy and uh you know therefore everything else is vaporware but you know with with Thorchain, everyone can everyone can win you know um you know you could you could earn money lending out your your litecoin basically and then you you basically win off of having litecoin because other people want to participate in other ecosystems as well so it does it becomes more than a zero-sum game right right yeah and you know actually chad to to your point about um you know they'll they'll get it eventually because they have to more than bitcoin i think i think thorchain um will succeed and can succeed with actually nobody knowing like uh, very few people knowing that they're even using thorchain right because it's underpinning different dexes or swapping interfaces or um or yield you know yield opportunities so someone theoretically could be using you know DeFi spot or broker uh and then um getting yield on assets they don't necessarily i mean have to know that you know where those funds are going and and that 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 yield is being generated in the thorchain network that's that's Um, probably going to be the vast majority of people that use the network will have no idea if they're actually using the network Right, yeah. and, and therefore you don't have to convince those people or even explain to them what Thorchain is and why it's amazing. Blah 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 blah. All they know is like, oh, I went to bridge that terrible money, and I can I can trade my Bitcoin for for Luna or vice versa, and they get excited and they just kind of do it. And then meanwhile, they produce yield for the people in the Bitcoin pool and the people in the Luna pool, um, and everybody you know in the community is happy before and is, you know effectively creates you know buy pressure on the ruined asset. So like. Some, that that's what's going to happen in the end. We don't need to convince the community of like the merits of Thorchain. Ah, my dog. We don't need to convince the community of the merits of Thorchain necessarily. We just need to convince like the smart people to to build it into like you know the Terra Bridge, for example, or Shapeshift, for example, or you know other things that are being trust discussed. wallet, et cetera, trust yeah. wallet, like you yeah. know Exodus wallet, Ledger, like all these mm-hmm. things. We usually get those people to to adopt it, and by doing so, just massive quantities of liquidity just naturally just come through the network mm. you know good to know so maybe a kpi attract for 2022 will be um interface like uh developer integrations uh yeah like interface integrations good yeah. to know all right awesome so biggest win of 2021 uh check uh biggest challenge of 2021 and why you're grateful for it 
Uh, biggest challenge was, I mean, I, I think definitely the, the kind of incidents we had in the summer were very challenging. They were very stressful. They were very, you know, overwhelming in many respects. Um, it was a dark time in the community for sure. It caused a lot of people, so a lot of people to kind of, you know, have questions or doubt or kind of, um, you know, so hands kind of started to shake a bit in a sense and reasonably so I can understand why, why a person might feel that way, you know? Um, so that took a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, you know, continuously working for hours on end, um, multiple teams coming together. Uh, that was definitely the most challenging time, but I knew at that time that, that these challenges we were having weren't fundamental problems with the design or the network itself, it's just there's some things to iron out. And that gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, that we are still on the right track, that we're still the right design, that we're still, um, everything is like, fun, from a fundamentalist perspective, everything is still very strong. And as we went along and we, you know, had more, you know, bugs and issues in the, in the code base, like these things became increasingly <laughs> edge case scenarios or increasingly rare or increasingly, you know, and that kind of further proved to me that the network is maturing. The network's getting, you know, it's ironing out kind of these, these kind of edge cases. And as and every time we hit one of these things, we just fix it and we move on. And But still, we have made, made no fundamental changes to the actual network itself. The original design is still there, and it has not been changed in the least. You know, it's still there, uh, which proves to me that, that, that we always had the right vision. We always had the right path. We always had the right architecture. And we just need to like harden the code, which just takes a lot more time for Thorntech to do that than it does for, you know, most of the projects in the space. Layer ones are obviously a lot harder to build than, you know, a smart contract, you know, for obvious reasons. So um, that was definitely a dark time. And I'm sure there's dark times ahead of us, right? We're going to have moments where, you know, people are going to be upset about X, Y, or Z, whatever. And we're going to have, it's always going to be a roller coaster, you know, uh, for sure. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But all those things we had in, this, in the, those instances we had in the summer, especially, like, we, those are all, all learning opportunities, you know. And we actually, because of those things, we, we built out a, a better and stronger team. We built a, a better and stronger code base that's much more defensive in its nature and it has more blanketed protections so we don't have to find every possible exploit. The network itself has these blanket protections that will do a very good job, for the most part, of protecting almost situations we can't protect or situations we can't foresee. Uh, and then we building out the team and building Thorsec and like all these other things, having a relationship with uh, Unified to have a bug bounty so we can incentivize people, um, white hats to come involved more, more often. And even if you're a black hat, the way we did the scheduled outbounds thing changes the economics of like, it's more profitable now to be a white hat and, and attack the network in a white hat perspective than it is to be a black hat and steal funds. You'll actually make more money as a white hat than you would a black hat, right? And so the change in those economics just kind of creates, just puts us in a much better and stronger position. And so from, from a fundamentals perspective, we're in a better position now than the project has ever been in its history. And as we go further into 2022, we start launching Luna and UST and Atom and Doge and Soul and you know, uh, polka dot and whatever else is coming down. Oh, and then we had these like Thor savings and fixed rate income and in lending and cross chain this and like no liquidations on lending. Like all these things that people haven't even thought of or think people think is impossible. We actually have some ideas and plans which we'll, we'll share with the community in the next few weeks. But there's some massive things happening downstream. But we need to get through the the difficult parts first and the challenging aspects to get to where we are now and because of that we are in a much stronger uh position from a fundamentals perspective 
Powerful. Um, love it. That's uh, inspiring and a great a great note to uh, to sign off here on. Um, Cal, do you have any, anything else to close with? No, man. I just love hearing Chad speak. So that, that's yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I just I'm still I'm still basking in the glory of uh, the potential for getting my dick blown off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, like fuck yeah. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's live in that world. Um, well, uh, yeah, Chad. Uh, appreciate appreciate you and uh, you on behalf of the entire core team and ecosystem and. Um, and uh, and and nine realms and Dorsec, we appreciate all the efforts and energy that went into building out this uh, this platform over the last over the last year. And we, as a community, are all very very excited to to watch it grow and, and to support where we can over the next year, twenty twenty two. We all we are all looking forward to a really big big year. Um, so, yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Cal. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, everybody listening. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you all. The recording, we recorded this. It'll be available on rebase.org. And uh, we'll be back next week, next year, uh, for uh, a look forward to what's coming in 2022.